Yes, hello. Hi, good evening. So first of all, I'd like to thank you for all those hours you've put into making this book possible for Clarissol. Oh, thank you. We're what I like about, about the book it. that just hit the stores about the last two, three weeks, and that is Mastering Relationships based on the natures of Eish, Mayim, Ruach, and Ofer, Understanding the Natures. And sounds like based on your accent that you're talking about getting it in England, and I know it just hit your stores last week. So that's Correct. exciting. Correct. And actually the owner of the store asked me if I know the author that it's going so quickly. Oh, thank you. That is nice feedback yeah. to get. Wow. It was nice. So I like about I've gone the book. to about three, four different stores, and I first walk in and ask them, tell me, how is this store, how is this book selling? And they go, oh, it's going good. Almost every, uh, not almost, every store told me they're already on their second order. They sold out the first order. I said, oh, and he goes, oh, very nice. Let me tell you feedback. People are excited. People like, like they're getting it for gifts, like they're excited to get it. So that's nice. So I yeah. appreciate when you pass on a message or something like that from, you know, from the stores. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So what I like about it is the clarity and the caricatures. And for me personally, uh-huh. is the structure of the book is so clear, and it's really, really inviting. Wow. Thank you. Yep. So um, I want to first... Cute. Yep, they are. Um, they're very strong as well. What I wanted to say, I wanted to give a comment first, or a query, a comment and then a question. So Go ahead. I'm proud to belong to the Earth element with a score yeah. of 64. Wow. Which highlighted a question I've recently had, and um, I wanted to hear what you, you'll say on it. But before that, I just wanted to um, share that I do, I do journaling. Yeah. So when I realized that I was Earth, I sort of took out my journal and drew, similar to yours, like sort of a mountain. But what yeah. I allowed my mountain to have was, um, I've done, done some draw doors, Sort of, I allow, I'm allowing the cars to come through the mountain. Wow, it's, very powerful. It's not coming out or, you know, not around, above or beyond. It's, I'm allowing it to come through, and I've actually drawn some flowers on the mountain too. Beautiful. So let's go ahead and share with everyone what we're talking about. So what, the concept about the book is to teach everyone that there are four elements that Hashem created every person in. This is all based on the Sfarim. And all four are within us, but we are a combination of all four, and we will have some more of one, some less of another. And when we recognize that each element, each nature, will, be, will have its strengths and will have its weaknesses. Now, what I was limited just due to the expense, I haven't shared with anybody, but it was very, very expensive getting the caricatures on graphs to get a picture. So I knew about what I wanted for each one. So for an example, I wanted to do with each element, let's say, so let's go ahead and share with everyone listening, for the, for the element of earth, earth is ground. Think of solid. It's a mountain. It's sure. It's aware who it is. So to show a caricature a little bit the positive, the flexibility of that nature, and then sometimes the inflexibility, the difficulty of that nature. So for an example, for Earth, we, I put a caricature of a mountain standing, an entire caravan of cars, like waiting to get through, and the mountain is sort of saying, you can go around me, 
you can go above me, but you're not going to go by me. Like, I am where I am. And the concept is to realize that Earth is very solid. The positive to that side is very similar to what the Kotzke Rebbe asks, and I love it because we just sort of had Shavuos. And he asks, why did the Rabbi Shlilam pick mountain, as we know, Har Sinai? The famous Medrash is because he was humble. He was an honor. He said, if Hashem wanted to show an honor, let him take a valley. Let him take a hole. Why a low mountain? See, he says, because the Yid has to be a mountain, a small mountain, but we've got to be a mountain. We've got to have some level of self-esteem. Now, what I wanted to do was similar to what you're saying. I wanted to be able to then take the caricatures and do the balanced one as you have it. So I've done it with some of them. So, for example, the earth couple, it's like, why do you need emotions? And then I put the image how there's a little bit of fire, and he asks his daughter for what does mommy like for an anniversary, and then he gets that. So I very much appreciate your creativity that you intuitively picked up what I like, what I had in mind to do, just due to cost and a lot of other issues and time, I didn't do that. Mm-hmm. Now, let's share with everyone what journaling means. Journaling is the ability to take a pen and paper or really any type of, uh, of form of communicating, but it's basically writing. And then there's also called like non-dominant journaling, which you then write with your opposite hand. So if you're a righty, you write with your left hand. If you're a lefty, you write with your right hand. And you start writing your emotions and what you're feeling, and you allow it to flow from one place to the next. So you can start writing one topic, and then you have another thought, and it goes to another one, and it continuously transfers and flows. This is a very powerful method and way of letting emotions Express. So sometimes when we go to a therapist, we discuss one topic. Or therapists that do, let's say, the cognitive behavioral method, they focus on one topic. But the more subconscious type therapy, it's a dynamic of a relationship that balances, that goes different places. You allow it to go. So when someone starts journaling, they're allowing their emotions to flow. Then there is, a, I shouldn't say different, a similar type method of journaling, and that is with pictures. They use that a lot for, for trauma, where people will, and especially for children, where they will be coloring and drawing different images, different feelings. And then part of the therapy process is, how can we change that image? How can we make it gentler and easier? So for an example, what you've done and what you've described to us all is that I've made a mountain which seems and appears a little, not a list, not appears, it is. I made it to look that way, sort of a rigid position. And what you've done is you've allowed it to say, I can allow you to come in. And the benefit of what you've done is the real goal of the book. means the goal of the book is not to say, that's who I am, I'm stuck. So actually there was a narcissist, which I've had a conversation with, and the guys tell me, I'm wind, I'm not worried about bills, I'm not worried about anything. You see, I'm right. That's my nature. I never have to change. The entire goal is why we bring down Rabbi Yisrael Salanta and all the farm that say that a person can live 70 years and not know himself. The point is you're supposed to know yourself and you're supposed to change. That's the beauty and that's the benefit why the Rabbi has us get married and interact and have children is to change, to grow, not to say we're stuck. So you've done very intuitively and on a very healthy level 
to take the caricature of Earth, recognize your strength, recognize that sometimes it can be a little too strong, and if you balance it with the other natures of water or of fire or of wind, you are able to create openings in the, in the mountain and say, I let you through. That is very healthy. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So actually, I do journaling. I combine writing and drawing. Excellent. And you mentioned Rigid before. Rigid was a very strong character of mine, which Baruch Hashem, with the help of therapy, I've become more flexible in that. Wow. And you've mentioned I'm stuck is when I bought the book. I took a highlighter with me. And when I started reading, I straight away highlighted things that I liked. And one of the things that I liked was on page 33, nevertheless, as Jews, we never stop the story at this is why I'm the end. So that actually did speak to me. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That is so true. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right, my question. Go ahead. So about four years ago, I entered the world of therapy, and I went to a psychotherapist um, specializing in CBT. Yeah. And one of his first questions was um, how I want to see myself in five years' time. That's a beautiful question. And I had, yep, and I had, I had actually four goals in mind. Two of them I had no problem voicing, and two um, I didn't voice because I didn't see it as a very realistic goal, however much I really wanted it. Four years later now, I'm watching my inner work bear fruit, and I'm suddenly feeling myself, hey, help, I'm reaching the top of the mountain. Where do I go? Where do I go from now? I feel my goals have been reached, and that's what one of the... On the, on, after the test, it says I'm able to reach goals. And that yeah. sort of highlighted my, my fear that I've been having lately, that I'm sort of reaching my four goals, I mean, Baruch Hashem, after four years. And I can always enrich it, and I want to enrich these four goals. But I'm sort of seeing myself standing on top of that mountain. Where do I go next? Do I go down? Do I find a higher mountain? Do I build another mountain on top of this? I, I feel I've got nothing to hold on, nothing to motivate me to go. Wow, I want you to know you're saying one thing and I'm hearing another. So let me sh- let me share with you what I'm hearing, what you're what I'm mm-hmm. hearing from your words, and let me tell you what my therapy mind is saying. All right. All right. And yep. feel free to disagree with me, like because I'm just I'm just saying a quick thought. So what I okay. hear you saying is that you've had a goal, you're reaching your goal, and all of a sudden you're afraid. What will happen then? Like, what's my next goal? What am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to reach? Correct? Yeah. I've sort of reached. I want to enrich, but I feel these four goals, I didn't. I've given myself sort of, um, these goals can reach till 100. Say I've reached 10, because I never believed I could reach till 10 anyway, so I gave myself these small goals, and I feel coming towards the top of the mountain. Like, where do I go next? I feel, sometimes I feel as if it's caving under me. Now, the opposite nature, right? Let's go back to the book, and I will mm-hmm. share with you what I hear, and the journaling, I think, will be more the solution, because journaling-type therapy is more the win. So let's clarify to everyone listening a little bit more that Hashem, when He created the elements, He created them in opposites. As we know, for example, fire and water, Asha and Mayim are opposites. Ruach and Ochr are opposites. So Ochr is ground. It's a mountain. Ruach 
is fly is air, oxygen, right? It floats. It's high above. So mm-hmm. let's imagine this for a second now. You reach the top of the mountain, and right now you're stuck. Where's the next place? What would happen if you would have the ability to realize that you have wings, and in order to fly, you got to leap off the mountain and allow yourself to flow. And through those wings, through, those, through the air, the wings will spread, and then you can go so much further than you'll ever go with your feet. So if you will as you're saying journal, this, what? I think as you're saying this, my stomach is tightening up. I don't want to let go. That's exactly it, <laughs> and that is why the usually the secret to offer is Hashem usually has you married to either the Mayim the Aish, but most likely at least a husband or a, a spouse or at least one of the children will be ruach, will be the dreamers. And I'd like Absolutely. you to realize that every eagle. Every bird, when the mother has to push it off that tree, off the nest, it's petrifying. Are the wings strong enough? Imagine a bird that is never allowing themselves to fly because they're afraid to let go of walking. What would you say to an eagle that it never uses its wings because it's used to having its feet? And that's where the journaling, which is the koyach of ruach, because it's not CBT. Mm-hmm. CBT is very earthy, very offer. Grounded, solid, measurable. Each session you're working on it, it's a very grounded mahalo. The subconscious, the trusting, the flowing, that's all the offer, the ish, the mayim, the complete other end. Now, all those that methods of therapy need to be grounded with offer, and that's where you are now. So what I would tell you is if you've created a four-year goal about reaching places, I would now ask you, what would be your next four-year goal if you know it's about flying? Learning to let go. Well, just by hearing it, I'm like tensing up. But I imagine that is going to be something that I'm going to have to do. That's it. And recognize now that the step and the beauty of, let's say, a bird or an eagle, when they're flying, they don't know where the next wind is going to come. As the wind blows, they balance with that. So therefore, what I'd recommend is, if you'd like, I don't know what's the story in England, what's the weather like now, but I, or if you have a place where you can buy a kite, simple kite, mm-hmm. and fly the kite, and you will see how sometimes you'll have to pull it a little harder. Sometimes you'll have to run a little. Sometimes there'll be a strong wind that you can allow it go up. I want you to feel what it's like that you're not in control of the wind. You're not. But you will learn how to ride the wind. And that's balancing the beauty it. of people that get sometimes that have a sailboat. It's about learning how to ride the wind. But you don't know when the next one's coming. There could even be like a dead air. And then you're just stuck. So there is a certain surrender that the other elements have that offer does not. And that's the lesson in life where Hashem's created. Remember, you have it in you. You do. We have all four within us. Mm-hmm. And how about you do some journaling about this? You do some visualizations, what it's like to be an eagle. Yeah. And flow. Definitely food for thought. Yep. Because I, I do have the fear of unknown as well, which I know. Of course. And that's, recognize just it in be myself. aware, as we have in the book, that's the danger of offer. 
It's lacking a little the creativity. Not I'm not calling offer creative, because you can have an offer that's combined with ish, and they are. But the solid energy of offer is more grounded and less creative. And what mm-hmm. I'm telling you is, you also have other ener- other elements in you. You have all four. So you might have ish, which is a very fire. Water is very flowing, and ruach is completely dreaming. So you've survived. You've lived with Afar, and now that you've started the four-year goal, I wonder if you can start now a new four-year goal to learn to flow. And it helps when there's a physical grounded. So another thing, I don't know if there's like a kosher beach where you can go to, but if there there is is. and you just stand in the water and feel the waves, I don't want a pool, want an ocean where you feel the ocean pull you, pull you back and forth. And don't fight it. Like, just notice the wave. Stay with the wave. That's teaching you to flow. Mm-hmm. All right. Very clear. And um, right. what you've helped you me set my question? next goal. What would you say is information you're walking away with? My question that is, was, I'm stuck. Where do I go next? Yep. I'm going, the answer is, very clear that I've got to put some pair of wings and learn how to fly and just go with the wind and um, yeah. sort of set myself another goal as um, of letting go. Yes, from this one, what do you say about this? I fly like an eagle. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's really you know the, the experience to to fly to swim to feel that the, let's. You know, even standing on a roof and feel the wind running around you and just close your eyes and just, it, it's its a different, uh, you know, emotion, feeling, then it gives you a lot of boost on your spiritual. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. That's right. So at the moment, this all sounds really scary, but I can see I'm going to have to practice first with the kites, as you say, and not myself, <laughs> until right. I'm ready to just put the wings on and fly. And easier just in a windy day. A windy day is also mm-hmm. good. Just be around when it's windy. Yeah. Brilliant. Just feel the environment. Okay. Yes, Ravnissa, what would you say? I said just feel the environment around you. Just sense it and let it go. Let it just be part of your body, part of everything. You know, just, and you see this different, different uh, approach of life. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. I thank you very, very much, and have Socha in continuing such wonderful work. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you, you so, so much. Excellent. Okay. Bye. Okay. Bye. We'll go to Mrs. K once Mrs. again. Mrs. K, you're on with Mordechai and her Nissen. Yeah, hi. Thanks so much for taking my call. You're welcome. Um, I'm actually quite nervous about calling in. Oh, but, um, I decided to do it anyways. Okay, where are so, you calling from, if I may ask? From Israel. Oh, wow. That's very late, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so thank you. We just had a caller from England and now from Eretz Yisrael. That is really special. Uh, wow, I wonder if we should um, make this all, program uh, maybe in the afternoon so we can have more British and more Israeli callers. Yeah, I wish. <laughs> Good. Um, yeah, we consider. can't wait to have your book here in Israel. 
I know Artscroll told me it Are should be shipped forward? this week, means it should be getting there next week, Merit Hashem. Yeah, okay, Baruch Hashem got it. Thank you. I just got a message today from someone from Eretz Yisrael tells me, like, looking forward for the book to come. He says, I just want to recommend that you put on hold reading positive messages about the new book until it arrives to all ends of the world, because it's a Shiloh of Tsar Belachayim. <laughs> right. <laughs> that was just cute to hear. Yes. I can relate to that, because everyone's talking about it, and I can't wait to see what it's all about. Yes, thank you. Thank you. So, again, I so appreciate that you're calling from Eretz Yisrael, and we just had before from England. So go ahead. What is your question or comment or both? So my question is, um, why is it that when a spouse, let's say, says a negative comment about something, that I always have to defend it, whether it's something that's dear to me like my family or it's just like a random thing that has nothing to do with me? I always feel like I have to defend that thing that, that he's saying something negative about. Even if I also think it's negative. But when he says it, I always have to defend it. Yeah. So let me ask you, is it just to your spouse or is it to other people where you feel you need to defend You need to defend people? I'm not sure about other people. I don't think so much. Maybe a bit. But like when it's my spouse, especially when he's saying something about that to my family, then I for sure feel like I have to defend it. And it's very... Um, it can be very hurtful sometimes, and sometimes it's very annoying to always have to defend everything. That's right. So now let me shift this back onto you. And notice I'm going to ask the question again. You might do it more with your husband, with a spouse, but let's go back to the original question. Do you find that you need to defend others when people attack, when people say something like that? If I feel for that thing, then I think that yes. Yeah, that's right. So what I would do is I would be discussing it a little bit differently, phrasing your question, saying, I have an issue that I need to explain myself. I need to, def- I need to defend people. <clears throat> when it's someone close to me, I feel responsible for them, and therefore I need to answer and I need to deal with it. Like I need to defend that. Does that make sense? Is that a possibility? to recognize this, I want you to take it to you and not to your spouse. I am taking it to me. Why do I always have to defend it? Now, let's shift this right back to you again. Because the type of therapy that we work on, that I do, is we take it about the person. So we focus on you. Means, let me show you an example. Let's assume I have a thorn in my finger, right? Every time I touch something with that finger, it hurts. So if, let's say, I'm eating, and every time I'm eating, then what's going to happen is I'm going to feel a huge pain. You're going to tell me, what's going on with the spoon that I'm using? Every time I use the spoon, I am in hurt. I'm in pain. And then I ask you, but are you in pain other times? Yes, sometimes when I have to open up a door, sometimes other stuff. But mostly when I'm eating, well, that's most of the time when you're touching something. So the way we work in the inner type therapy, which is dealing more with the subconscious, is that when you heal yourself, you would not mind if your husband makes comments about people or about certain people. They can defend themselves. Your husband has an opinion, and that's his opinion. 
So, so what am I supposed to work on? Well, it's always your choice what to work on. What I am trying to have you realize is that let, let's take it a step deeper. What's your issue if your husband makes comments to, about other people or about certain cer, certain situations? Let's say he makes a comment about your family. Let's say he makes a comment your mother is controlling. All right. So he made that comment. Because what's I'm very much a type of person that even if I some negative side, I, I also feel that they have a positive side. And if he only sees the negative, then I want to show him the positive. That's right. That's an amazing meter. Now, what's the danger to that meter? The Gemara says know. the choice of the There are three types of people that don't enjoy life. It really says that don't have a life. One of them is a Rashkin, is, is a Rashkin someone that gets angry. But one of them is one of them is someone that's a rachamim, someone that's too caring about everything. Why? Rashi says very clear why. Because Rashi says that rachamim that we're calling codependent, a not healthy rachamim, is someone that's going to feel bad for everyone, and we have to prove everyone the positive, and we have to save everyone that there's no peace. And Rashi says the same concept of someone that's angry, they will see the problem and everyone, they won't either have peace. And that's what we call codependence. But I really don't that think is, I'm codependent. No? Well, it's, no, really okay. not. You don't try helping people? You don't feel bad when we can't help someone? No, no. No? People are telling me I might be too much in the opposite direction. Which way? That you don't help anyone? All right, now let's shift the question the other way. Are you a controller then? In a nice way. Controller doesn't mean that you're controlling others, but emotionally inside, you need everyone to be a certain way. And when they're not, it triggers you. So maybe if you're a positive person, you need now everyone to be positive. And if they're not, you're now stressed. Instead of allowing people, okay, they're negative. And the Rebbein Shalem has everyone on this world. Everyone's going to have their needs to grow, their nisyanis. And my spouse will figure it out at the right time. Can I ask you a question? You will learn how to create a boundary that he won't speak negative around you, that you will have the power to do. But if he's negative, those are his choices. Can I ask a question? Go ahead, please. I can is, use the help. is you just getting better only with negative uh, approach? And if the husband says something positive and you don't like it, are you? It's trigger you also. Hello. Yeah. Hello. 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 Mrs. K from England. From Israel? Hello? I mean, sorry, from Israel. It seems like... Uh, we got disconnected somehow. I know. It seems the phone, the, the line is, seems like... Uh, okay. The so, line is uh, on. Uh, okay. Red you understand, you understand yeah. my question? A hundred percent. Let's clarify your question. So your question was, what happens if the husband says a compliment and it's not something that she likes? Yeah. And what, what did you want to bring out? Let's see if she'll call back. So we're going to go to Mrs. B, and I hope Mrs. K from Eretz Yisrael will call back. Okay, so we'll go to uh, Mrs. Uh, 
B. Uh, yes. Mrs. B. And for those that would like to call, the number is 718-683-5858. Okay, and let's go. We're with Mrs. B. You're on with Mordechai and Harav Nissen. Hi. I want to thank you very much for everything I learned. It really makes a difference in my life. Um, I have thank a question. You. Next week is my daughter's graduation. And I want to know what I can do that I shouldn't start crying as soon as the music starts. Yeah. Um, I, I, I get very emotional um, by graduations and by chasanas and by bar mitzvahs and by um, any such type of things. Like as soon as I see the little kids starting to walk down the aisle, I just tear up. And <laughs> I notice that I'm the only one that's doing it. What's wrong with that? It's wonderful. You might even be a dogma for so many other mothers and grandmothers. Yeah, I'm actually proud of you. I, I always thought it was, I mean, I hated when my mother did it. Ah, now we start getting into the therapy component of that. Why did you hate when your mother did it? Big, I, I don't know, I guess it's, it's embarrassing to cry in public. Isn't that a pity that that's what's happening today? I just want to recognize what you're saying is so true. I work with so many men, and now especially, I would say, the last five to eight years, so many women are afraid to be emotional. It's unsafe to cry, have tears of joy. And this is all over. So many of the issues that we're dealing with today's generation is because we're battling up so much. So you're saying that... That I should cry and be proud of it? Yeah. Rav Nissen, what do you say? You know how many times I cry from joy? You know, it's overwhelming emotion. And you just, just the tears, and it's not something to be embarrassed. It's something to be proud about it, you know, just you can let your emotion, you know, take over your body. It's, we're talking about standing against the wind and feel the wind. You just take the wind from the inside, the, 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 the tears and the joy. To see your child getting married or your friend, you know, I'm telling you, you walk the aisle and you you holding your daughter and your son to the it's it's an unbelievable a, a, mo, a moment and don't miss yeah. it because your ego inside and don't let you clear basically you sealed your motion. But I'm to- I'm talking about something smaller like a pre one A graduation. Doesn't matter. It's just you know this. <laughs> it's, it doesn't matter. It's it's a pre one. Oh, uh, it's it's something that's it's meaning in you, inside you of yourself. Uh-huh. Now let's realize there's types of crying where people are sobbing. Oh, I'm so sad. That's one thing. And then there's just tears going down. Nachas, the next generation, allow okay. yourself to be an emotional being. Okay. No, just just let's create the awareness. Now we can actually deal with your question. If you want to hold yourself back from crying, you can do that. There are a lot of simple behavioral shtick. Breathe. Like, get your focus on a certain thought. Mm-hmm. So sometimes when you're busy focusing on your breathing, so what happens with emotions are emotions start getting taken over. You're going through that image, oh, this kid is already getting older, now they're going to school before you know the next stage. And I uh, might be moving on from being so close to the mother at home all day, or maybe I'm getting older, or whatever the emotions are. I'm so proud. Look at where they are now. And if you distract yourself, or if you focus on the breathing, like, like, sort of counting your breathing, five seconds inhaling, 
then seven seconds exhaling slowly. You can control the emotion. Those are the ways that people actually stifle their emotions. When people are sad and they don't want to cry, their logic says there's nothing to cry about. Let's do things, and they distract themselves by acting. So I usually try that, and it don't work. I I tried, like, being busy taking pictures or videoing it, and it, it, it didn't work. Tears came anyway. All right, then what happens if you don't walk it or you walk out at exactly those moments? So you won't see it. You'll be there before, you'll have your kids video it, and you'll come in right after. Uh, so then as soon as I come in, that's when I'll start crying. All right, let me ask you a question then. How do you do it in general besides those times? Um, generally speaking, I don't cry. So then what happens only at graduation that you're crying? What's the feeling of the thoughts that you're thinking about? I, I, you, you look at these innocent little kids, like by a, 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 a Chumash Suda, or a, a, the, the life ahead of them is so um, challenging, and they're so innocent and they're so pure, how they're singing with such tamimus and such um, a year of shemaim, if you can call it, in little kids. And I, I just find that so touching. Great. Now, can you take that moment? I, I hate to corrupt you. Mm-hmm. Imagine you can just see that innocent smile is going to screech that night that I want a lolly or something. Okay, that might work. And what would help if you don't just look at, the, let's say, the one extreme, how pure they are, also see that they're balanced. But I personally wish I can have that floodgate open to have that, to be able to see the innocence and be in the moment. So now, now that you're pointing this out, I think I would rather embrace it than fight it. That's right. That's right. And you might even be able to share if someone asks you while you're crying, say, yes, do you know how beautiful it is? I saw the purity of the kids. Do you know how nice it is for us to be able to have people grounded in the moment and being able to appreciate the purity of little kids? We're so into the next stages. When are they going to be older? When are they going to graduate? When are they going to get married? When are they going to have a house? When are they going to be this? going to be kids? People are, are, are so many steps that they're not living in the moment. They're actually right in the moment. Right. Yes, it's so important. So I'm glad that we don't need to help you lose that beauty, that, that image. Okay, so how do I explain it to my older message, kids? Ha, we complain when we're sad, and we always say, may you have tears of joy. Isn't it ironic that now you have tears of joy, Baruch Hashem, and like you're trying to hold yourself back? So, so I guess this is how I can explain it to my older kids who are mortified. That's right. Explain it to them. This is tears of joy. This is a bracha. I'm in the moment. Okay. And Thank you, you can so share much. share with them. If they're mortified, maybe you'll go in the back, because we do want to take kids into consideration. Right. And if you're crying so badly and the makeup is running after and everyone's going, what's wrong or what happened? No, I, I, I usually don't sob. It's just okay. tears running down my face. Good, then prepare the kids ahead of time. Okay. So it's going to be next week. You can call up each of the kids and say, look, this is who I am. It's a bracha. I am connected to my feelings. I see the beauty of it. How can you be relaxed? How can you be at ease? Oh, well, they should know that this is what they'll be doing when their kids walk down the aisle. Amen. You bet. We daven. We should all be zeichet to do that healthy. That's right. That's a bracha. Wow. Okay, thank you for putting things in perspective. I really appreciate it. 
you're welcome. Rav Nissa, what do you say to this? You know, it's uh, it's it's take you know to all all happy moments that you really get exciting and feel the the the, the joy about the the first upsharing. You know, this uh, all this kind of emotion that uh, bring you. Uh, I, I tell you, as 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 so called as an adult, I mean, I would never dream that think that this stuff will be make make me exciting, and suddenly you're facing this moment, and it's it's really just, you know. A joy of moment, you know. You, you you don't fight it. You don't fight it. I think it's 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 a very precious moment that uh, let you let go with it. Yes. Yeah. You know, my my mother was Mister when I was in high school, so whenever I could come to any um, occasion, I always think like Shehachianu vekimanu vehigianu lazmanazeh, and and that's when I'm crying. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and I wonder if this might also be linked to this. Your zeicha to that, that is a schos. Yes. Yes, and appreciate it. Okay, thank you very, very much. I, I really appreciate this. Thank you. You're welcome, and I hope this was able to help a lot of people listening. Let's allow ourselves to be emotional, Baruch Hashem. Unfortunately to those, people pay a lot of money or many, many, many months in therapy learning to allow their emotions to flow and to identify their emotions. You're able to recognize it, allow it. And Baruch Hashem, you to have tears of joy. Amen. Okay, Rav Okay, we'll go to uh, back to Mrs. Uh, uh, the Israeli Mrs. 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 K. Mrs. K. So, Mrs. K, you're back with us. Yeah, you hear me now? Yeah, we hear you loud and clear, Baruch Hashem. Okay, good. Um, so, Rav Nissen, we're done. Rav Nissen, can you go back to your question that you were asking her? My question is, uh, if uh, your husband said there's like some positive comment, you know, uh, things, and are you feeling strange or just you you want to to react or only just negative or any any uh, issue that when your husband says say something and wh- what is the reaction about it? Yeah, if he says a positive thing, then I'm very happy about it. Okay. So it's negative emotions that trigger you. I think it would show you anyone if, if the spouse speaks negatively about the family. It's just annoying me that I always have to defend it, and I can't just let it go. So then how about we try your question differently? How about, instead of saying, okay, the way I understood your question was that your spouse speaks negative, and when he says something negative, you're always defending. When I That's hear true. differently, but when the spouse attacks my family to me, that is very different than a spouse that speaks negative. Do you hear the difference or the clarification that you clarified now? Right. So I guess it's both issues because sometimes it says things that had nothing to do with me and I still have to defend it. That's right. And that but is your issue true. now. That's, so let's focus and recognize that both might be your issue. But let's focus okay. on the one that, that's yours. So there are two separate topics. There's one topic that your husband will have issues with your family and he'll tell them to you, which you need skill to learn how to handle. The second one is 
not to feel or to be able to say whatever issues you have, discuss it with whatever the boundaries are, but not with me. Those are not acceptable. So there's one level right, where you set boundaries. There's a second issue where you feel responsible to defend people and that you will learn, which they're both issues are very similar and put together, where you'll learn that you don't need to defend and you'll learn how it should not happen, how you, how you will not need to a, defend and how to stop that you won't get the negative comments unless it's done in a healthy, productive way where we might need to change some issues going on. So how do you learn this? Oh, we don't do how-tos on this program. We're creating the awareness. No, I'm asking that how, how do you learn speaking to a Rav, to a Rebetzin. This is more than a, just a three-minute give a how-to. Okay. This, is, this is more and than an awareness. Have... Okay, I hear. Thanks. You have time so for a second question? Or... You, sure, but I just want you to realize, do you realize that it could take a little bit more than like five minutes, that it could take several months and sometimes a year of guidance how to learn that? Um, yeah. So what, right. what does so it come from? Like insecure feelings? Oh, we don't know where these things come from until you do a full intake, a full evaluation. So it's for an example, it could be he comes from such a negative family. Could be that your family really is that negative and he's just in pain and you're not, and you're still going there all the time. So therefore he's already fed up and now he's sharing about this. It could be that you can't identify any negative feels he's the one that has to just mention please realize there's a balance going on there could be a husband has a lot of pain in his childhood a lot of pain in his years and his survival mode was being critical and attacking and, and noticing people's hurts so even if a husband has thousand things we won't know that that's again you see when you're asking where do these things come from we're an awareness base when I do a real evaluation a real intake it could take an hour. Sometimes it can take two hours if there's a lot of trauma going on to get all the information. And then we have more an idea. So just to teach you and everyone listening, one of the ways you can tell when someone is a beginner therapist or when someone is a licensed therapist or someone is a skilled therapist versus someone that really doesn't have much experiences, when they tell you they know where things come from and where things happen and they've never met the person, know you've got to run away from those people. Okay, but when you're talking you about trauma, are you talking about trauma by me or by my spouse? Well, probably both, but I'm talking about him. Why would a person be a negative? Why would a person be seeing negative in people? Why would people be attacking others? Is it very likely that, let's just take an example. I mean, let's just go through all these different scenarios. Let's assume your parents are negative, critical people. It can happen. And you're there every single day, and he comes to pick you up, and then he's there, and then he's for an hour and a half, and your parents are negative. And he's telling you, don't you realize I don't really want to be by your parents because they're negative? Or when you come back from there, you're always upset, and you go, don't talk about my parents that way. He's not. He's trying to say okay, we need different not solutions. Like I know, but you realize you asked me a question. I don't know what it's like. So I'm explaining to you where that could be a place where actually the issue is yours and not him. So then we're going to the other way, where the issue could be him. He was raised with a lot of critical issues going on, might have a weak self-esteem, he wasn't successful. And people that have those issues, that they feel weak, that they're afraid, usually because they're not feeling successful now, their solution and survival mode is to attack others. I'm not as bad as your parents. 
whoa, you're focusing on me. Why aren't you focusing on your family first? So these are protective ways that the brain cognitively, and there are many subconscious ways called displacement and a lot of other different mahalchem that they do to shift responsibility of themselves, of not needing to grow and shifting it onto others. All right, so if this is the case, can it be the, the same issue that a person always has, has like, if they're related to someone who, who they think doesn't do good things, that they feel bad about, like, they identify themselves by, by those close to them? Is that the same? Can you give me an that example? that the same place? Give me an example. Like, what but do you mean? Okay, so if I have a sister-in-law who, who wears something, I, I don't care, but if my spouse has this, then he won't care. Like he, he sort of identifies himself to the other people a bit. Again, I'm not clear. When you're saying he won't care, he does care, you're talking about positive and negative. No, I, I would let's say not, not care. It's too vague. So let's try this again. So if let's say you have a sister-in-law, a family member, that wears something that you're not caring what they dress, but your husband... No, I don't care, but my, I think my husband does. Is that, does that come from the same now, place? Does he care for the positive that he wants you to wear it or for the negative? Again, it's too vague. No, I'm saying that if, if he has a family member who does something negative, it very much bothers him. I think he identifies himself through That's that right. person. Well, it could be identifying. It could be he takes a lot of things personal. It, there could be many issues. Understand what you're trying to do. I want you to realize what you're, what you're trying to do here, and I really would like to help you, but it's not as simple. You're trying to say, is this now the reason for each of my husband's issues? Unfortunately, as a skilled, I don't use the word skilled, it's a little bragging, but as a therapist with experience, your husband might have five issues going on, and this issue could be mostly because of one, it could be something else, it could, and it could be that it is only because of this. And maybe it could be that this is your husband's language and you're more sensitive and you don't even like the critic. Just to be aware of that, we're all going with the assumption that your perception is right. What happens if your husband says I mean, the I other I consider way? myself to be... That's right, you do. But part of marriage is seeing maybe i got to learn from my husband to be a little bit more, a little rougher skin, not to take everything so personal. See, he makes comments, so he says something. That's, again, the point of my new book, of, um, of mastering relationships. Your husband might even be a healthy person where he has a lot of positive, he shares a lot, he's just off or just says things the way it is. And the other natures need to learn. That's the ground that we have at the end of the, of the earth nature, how others need to learn to speak their language and to be more assertive to them, and they'll appreciate it. Again, I don't think this is a healthy thing because a person who's like that like doesn't have a good like life. I feel like trying to get a direct answer, and this is an awareness-based program. So it's great from your questions how we're going back to the awareness, but I'm feeling a little bit like in a chess set, like I'm almost being moved into a check, and I need to right away move out of the check. Not that you mean to do it, but I feel like you want to call the program and now get understanding. That's not what this program is about. Mm. This program is about awareness. It can okay, be I this. It can that. be others. But just one thing I want to say. You said that maybe it's my husband who's the healthy one and me. But if I see that that his being more negative is affecting him negatively, then it's obviously not a good thing. Who said he's affected negatively? In your perception he is. 
No, I know. I, you know what? I just uh, I want to. Ju- I, I must. You. I must jump here and say I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, I think that uh, you know uh, we we see a lot uh, with with uh, young couples that basically the communication between the husband and the wife and they come from a totally different two extreme side and I, I see it uh, uh, very very often that uh, the the husband is more macpid and the wife is less and then it's just the the point of view of the, the east family air family and it's become like or, or the opposite the wife were mcpeed and just notice about everything about the, the the other family or their family and suddenly become like a big uh a, a bigger uh rabbanim and all this stuff you know just let it go just look at the look at yourself and try to i would say maneuver slowly slowly because i i believe that if you positive person your husband will see the positive and especially we are the Jewish people say that so try to you know that drip it slowly slowly in your conversation you know talking talking about something or about the dress of this lady she's not so no you know she's you know she's right right now and in the difficult time she need this you know all this kind of positive thinking and it can be just a total different and you yourself don't take it so hard see husband that is your mission basically to just to accept him and slowly slowly by changing the environment around it will be changed also okay thank you great thank you for staying up so late all the way from Eric Stroll and asking your question Could I ask my second question I think it's a quick one Okay, let's do a quick one, because we've got some people waiting. Also, Thanks for those so listening, much. the number to call up is 718-683-5858, oh, 718-683-5858. Yes, Go well, ahead. What was your second question? Okay, um, You're often saying that people can't afford therapy, that they should go to agencies. And, but what if these agencies have have um, therapists who well either students or or just graduated? How do I know if if that is also good for me or if I need someone who's licensed? I'm saying like they are licensed, but someone who's experienced. Again, you start and you try, and you also see what your issues are. So if yours needs someone experienced, you start just like the rest of the world does. Start with someone. It's not well, then you ask to change. You need a supervisor. You tell the agency, listen, I need someone more experienced. My situation is, is more serious. If they say we don't have anyone open now, but we'll have one in about two months or in six weeks, you have a choice. Do you wait six weeks or do you start with a student? I'll tell you, start with a student, because many times people need olive bays of information just to hear the other side, and the students can do that. Remember, everyone had to learn somewhere. I was a student. That's how it was. students are supervised by the Supervisors, if unfortunately this is too much, the supervisor sees that things aren't working out well, then the supervisors will get involved. Yes, I know they have good supervisors, so it's worth it to try. You start. Yes, you start. Definitely. Okay. Thank you so much. Yes, you're welcome. You're welcome again. Thank you for staying up so late. 
Yeah, and if you have it once in the afternoon, I would be very happy. Okay, Blina, we'll have to discuss that with Rav Nissen if we've got that ability to do an opening or something like that. It's an interesting idea. Okay. Okay, and if, if there could be a voice changer, that would be even better. No, that we're not going to do. I'm concerned for uh, prank callers. Yes. They could speak That's... to Rav Nissen. What? You could speak to Rav Nissen first. Okay, yeah, that might be an option. Yeah, we we have plenty of this during the show, <laughs> and yeah. I'm I'm try to screen them, but uh, it's not so easy. Okay. And, Good. Thank you for the okay, idea. Okay. Thank you so much. Sure. Yeah. You're welcome again. Thank you for being up so late, all the way from Eretz Israel. Great. We'll go to Mrs. Mm-hmm. Rabbi. Mrs. We'll go to Mrs. L. Mrs. L. From UK. From England. Hi, you're on with Mordechai and Harav Nissen. Hello. Yeah, hello. Yes. Yes, hello. Yeah, um, thank you so much for your line. I'm like hooked on it. Thank you. Yeah. But thank you for your book. I think I was the first one in San to buy it. Oh, thank you. That is so nice. So, basically, my question is, I have two. Um... One of it is... Can I ask you if it's possible person, to speak up a little bit stronger, just so I can hear you easier? Yeah, if a person has like, the one situation in their life that makes them like depressed, just in this one area, always when like this thing occurs, when again, could it be such a thing, or is it... So let's change the words, because you're using the clinical term of depression, and how about we use the words of sadness? Is it possible that every time a certain thought or a certain situation comes up that you get sad, that is true? Yes. That to the point that takes over the whole life for like however long we Usually we call those more trauma. Traumas can shrink those. Mm-hmm. If your life gets that? taken over, that's already a diagnosable issue. We don't know if the words depression if the word is anxiety, if the word is trauma, if the word is fear, we need more awareness as to what's happening. Uh-huh. And then let's say if this person is, after a few weeks, it's like to finish next, and then it comes back a year or two later. So again, all this depending on what the triggers are. I just want you to, let me just share with you an example. Is it possible that in Yiddishkeit at times you should be really sad? Is it appropriate? Yeah. The answer is yes, Tishabov. But what happens if you're talking about Purim? I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know if it's a yard site of a parent, and it makes sense for you to be sad sometimes several days before and to still be sad several days after. If it was a tragic death or a sudden loss, it makes sense for this to go on for a couple of years, and you have it before and you have it after. These things could make sense. But we don't know the details of your question. So, again, you're asking me a is it question. Something makes sense without sharing the information. All I will say is it's possible. So it's more like a word. So you're giving me a vague question, and I will return with a vague answer. Not because I don't want to. I don't have enough information. The answer might be no, this is not normal, and this needs therapy. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
So can I ask a question? Go ahead. It's a second question. Um, so let's say I, um, I found myself that I try to let go a lot. I should not to be... Hold on. Say it again. You, found, you find yourself that you are what? I try a lot to let go. I shouldn't be like in control. Of what? control. In every situation that I find that I can have a difficulty in it. Um, but sometimes I'm like doubting myself. Is it something that, because I'm worried that it might be something of control that I do to the other extreme? And, and, and because of that, um, sometimes I feel like I'm not sure. Is it something that I need, or is it just... So watch what I'm going to shift this to you. Forgive me a little for doing this, all right? It sounds like you're asking therapy questions now. So let's understand the difference between a therapy question and an awareness question. If someone says I'm down or I'm a little sad or I have some thoughts, but I'm functioning well and everything is okay, then you speak to an Oscar and you speak to a Rebbitzin. When someone says, like you said about your first question, I can be down every time that comes up. I can be down for a very long time and not function. Not function are one of the big red lights, sirens that go up in the therapist that there might be a diagnosis which needs a therapist involved. When you're saying you're challenging your thoughts so much, a lot, it's not like just sometimes, once every three days, or it comes up once every couple of months. It sounds like there's a lot going on. And usually the way it sounds like things are being asked, I wonder if your questions are more a therapy-based question, that maybe a therapist should be consulted. I'm, I'm just sharing with you some thoughts. You're using stronger words than the general questions someone asking. Do you realize that it's more than a general question? Yeah. Many times you're fighting yourself to let go of control or not control. I think no, you used the, no, not many times. It's just like if I want to do the correct thing, then I'm like, is it the correct How thing? How often are you thinking, are you doing the correct thing or not? And then are you thinking about it? Once two weeks or something like that. Oh, then it's not a lot. And how long does it last? Yeah, I, I know, but I'm just wondering, like... Again, it's very... We're not... This is something that no one would be better. In general, it's not just yours. I need examples. So when there are vague examples, I can give vague answers. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Okay, thanks. You're welcome. Hello? Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Listen, I think it was a wonderful evening. Yes. Baruch Hashem, we were completely international clients tonight. <laughs> Listeners, not clients. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry for using the word clients. I meant callers. Yeah. <laughs> okay, beautiful.
Thank you. Yep. Have a wonderful evening, and I want to thank everyone for calling up, sharing your questions from overseas. What an honor and what a schuss. And as well for all the listeners, because we've got so many of them, and Rav Nissen was sending me a lot of those messages. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, good. Yes. Good evening. Hatzlacha. Amen.